Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Episode 205. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. So we just got back from Bridgeport, Connecticut, from the show at the uh, very lovely and historic Bijou Theater. What a wonderful venue that was. So gorgeous. And Gary, the guy who owns the place, he's really fancified it. I mean, this is an operating, a continuously operating movie theater from 1907, and it's completely been restored. He's put a bar in, which I think they should have had in movie theaters from 1907 on. Absolutely. He's also got like this 1952 uh, jukebox and also like a 1952 television, you know, all these like electronic antiques. This is my kind of guy. Yeah, it's true. You guys uh, were hard to tear apart at the end of the (laughs) night. We were like, okay, the lift's here. Yeah, we were like, okay, well, I guess I'll talk to you about cool electronics later. Okay. Well, it was really nice meeting you. It was really nice meeting you. All right, then. Okay. All right, guys, let's go. <laughs> the theater was amazing. The crowd was great. We had a full house. It was uh, it was great. It was just, I can't say enough. That was so much fun at the Bijou Saturday night. Met a lot of great people. People came from all over again. We had people, one couple came from Tampa Again, they came to the Boston show from Tampa, and then they flew up for the Bridgeport show from Tampa. So they get a patented um, box of oddities golf clap. Well done. Um, We are, I think, done with like extra stuff for a little bit. Um, We are uh, we don't have a show coming up. And uh, we don't have to catch up on episodes, and we don't have a lot of extra. I'm just going to take some time, and I'm going to rest. You're going to be I'm gonna you. I'm going to have a little nap little, on the couch. A little me time, are you? 
it's um it's been amazing and so much fun uh but it's a lot to get ready for shows and um we just had a a period of time there where it was just like we were running on fumes and so i'm so uh, excited to get back in the studio and be working on our our regularly scheduled yeah she's yawning there you go well yeah we produce Two podcasts a week, two episodes a week, mm-hmm. and then with the live shows, and, and you you and I both are still working full-time jobs elsewhere, so yeah. it's been uh, it's been pretty hectic. We are going back out on the road, but it, we're just going to take a, a little bit of time, probably maybe, I don't know, early summer, something like that. Something like that. We'll let you know. Also, I wanted to tell you just quickly before I jump into my topic that uh, we did record, video record, uh, the live show in Bridgeport. Yeah. And we're sending it into production. And when it is done, it will be available if you're a member of our premium channel. Right. At Himalaya, you can uh, subscribe and support the Box of Oddities and also find those extra neat things. And that will be one of those extra neat things that you can find. If you're already a member of the Order of Freaks on Himalaya, uh, then you'll get that automatically. But if you're not and you've been thinking about it, now's a good time because that's the only place it's going to be available, at least for now. Maybe down the road in a year or something. We we'll, don't have to figure it out right yeah, now. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway, one of the one of the most, uh, I don't know, disturbing films I have ever seen in my life. One that really impacted me in a way that, you know, just those types of films that echo in your head yes. for days at a time was the first time I saw Alien. At, oh, really? At the theater. What scene do you think was the one that really grossed me out the most? Like the chest bursty yes. bit yes okay that was that worse than the face yes hugger? for me for me it was okay and that night we had gone to uh taco bell before the the movie and things were kind of rolling around inside <laughs> and so <laughs> i thought i had an alien in my bowels sure which fortunately totally <laughs> fortunately it wasn't an alien but it felt like it at a time at that time Um, Well, there is something in real life just like that. We're going to talk about the Crypt Keeper wasp. Ooh, girl. This is a parasitic wasp. Super creepy. Ew. Yep. Just the name, Crypt Keeper wasp. This was only discovered two years ago, three three years ago, 2017. Parasitic wasps in general use uh, their stingers to lay eggs in or on the bodies of insects and other hosts. I know that bothers you when I use that word. Mm-hmm. Uh, the grubs, when they hatch, they devour the hosts alive. Sometimes, this is the weird thing, especially with the Crypt Keeper wasp, they will take over their minds. Yeah. And they change their behaviors, the hosts' behaviors. Sometimes um, when, when they're done uh, uh, just controlling their minds and getting them to do weird stuff, They'll just, uh, you know, eat them from the inside out and then burst out of the carcass like alien. Oof. There's one wasp that'll get inside cockroaches and makes them walk around. It's like their own little Humvee or something. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe like a transformer. You know, you're inside of it just kind of controlling. Effectively, it it turns them into docile zombies. Um, There's a wasp that makes spiders, it forces spiders to spin a protective cocoon while they are sucking them dry. Yeah. 
I know some people like that, actually. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I can think of one or two people (laughs) who have uh, forced people into building things for them uh, and then left them bankrupt. Um, (laughs) It's a very similar situation. (laughs) Yep. There's also a wasp that turns caterpillars into half-dead, head-banging bodyguards. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And uh, then there's a wasp that takes over ladybugs and makes it turns them into babysitters like they'll uh, to watch their own yeah oh yeah smart. I, I saw a picture of this ladybug and it's just like you know all it's like it's hugging this little uh cocoon of larvae or whatever they are all of those wasps lead grisly and uh, very sinister lives but um the cryptkeeper wasps wasp is on a whole different level According to Wikipedia, the Crypt Keeper Wasp, it's a tiny calcid wasp from the southeastern United States. It was discovered in uh, 2017. It's a uh, parastoid of the Gull Wasp Bacetia pallida. I don't know. Sounds right. Yeah. Uh, the description of its life cycle has attracted a lot of attention because it's fucking weird. <laughs> The um, it okay. Let me just describe what it looks like. Okay. the The color is kind of like a metallic green to a tortoise to iridescent blue. Ooh. It's a beautiful looking creature, depending upon the age. Um, it has some yellow and white stripes and a dark brown terminal segment. Females are between one point six millimeters and two point three millimeters in length, and males are about. 1.2 millimeters to 16 1.6 millimeters in length. Now you you know that that means nothing to me, right? The first specimen was discovered in Inlet Beach, Florida. It has since been recorded in Georgia, Florida, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Texas. Uh, all the specimens collected come from the vicinity of live oak trees. Okay. Andrew Forbes from the University of Iowa published a paper recently with some of the research findings. Uh, This is according to The Atlantic. No one really knows how many of them there are. There aren't many scientists who specialize in studying them. Like I said, they were only discovered in 2017. Right. They can spend much of their lives hidden inside the bodies of other insects. And since they specialize in this weird kind of body snatching, uh, they can be incredibly small. So they're very hard to track, as one would imagine. Okay. There's one called the fairy wasp, which is a, it's, it's kind of like the Crypt Keeper wasp, but very, very small. And they get no bigger than a single-celled amoeba. Wow. Can you believe that? No. That means that when scientists try to catalog the number of insects in any given area... Uh, obviously they they can't do it yeah you know they can only count the biggest most conspicuous wasps like those big ugly crypt keeper wasps i don't know they don't sound ugly at all they sound very pretty yeah it's the name that sounds ugly and what they do to your insides i'm sure right yeah well it might be hard for us to detect some of these uh parasitic wasps but not so much for other insects It seems that uh, every species of insect is targeted by at least one species of parasitic wasp, if not several. Are we targeted by parasitic wasps? Well, no, they just target insects. I know, but thank goodness for that, right? Because that's my nightmare scenario, is waking up in the middle of the night and having bees bursting out of my cheeks. Yeah, the very candy man Speaking of that, there's a new version of Candyman. I heard that. I have to watch that trailer. Yeah, that's pretty good. Now, there are even parasitic wasps that exclusively target... Parasitic wasps? Parasitic wasps. No! They're called hyperparasites. 
and they include <laughs> the Crypt Keeper Wasp. It, that reminds me of like um, Omar from The Wire uh, because he was, you know, he dealt in in drugs, mm-hmm. uh, but he also he like he would rob drug dealers. So he was like the baddest of the badasses, uh, and you know, yeah, everybody would, hated Omar. I don't know. I kind of loved Omar, but they would certainly let each other know when he was out and about. Omar's coming. Five zero. Hey, well, he. I know, but they used to yell that too. I just that's. Just, you're just yelling things that people once yelled? Yeah, in that particular series. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a strange and exotic form of Tourette's. Okay. <laughs> Hot dogs! <laughs> All right, back to the Crip Keeper Wasp. She stinks! <laughs> crisp, crisp Keeper. The Crisp Keeper Wasp. Crisp Keeper? The Crypt Keeper Wasp. They keep your lettuce fresh. Before they burst out of them fully formed. <laughs> the Crypt Keeper Wasps are named for the Egyptian god Set. Or Seth, Seth famously trapped his brother Osiris in a crypt to kill him. And that name couldn't be more fitting when it comes to these parasitic creatures and their relationship to especially the gall wasp. Okay. Gall wasps create abnormal tumor-like growths on the oak trees. You've probably seen them. They're little like bumps. The nubbies? Yeah, little nubbies. Okay. That's why they're mostly found, why these parasitic wasps are mostly found around oak groves. Okay. Because that's where the gall wasps will uh, lay their eggs. They Mm. shelter their larvae. Okay. Once mature, the the new gall wasps emerge from the tree and fly away. Unbeknownst to some of these larvae, the crypt keeper wasp lurks within them. Cryptkeeper wasps lay their eggs in some of the galls. The action triggers a fight for survival with uh, some pretty grim consequences for the gall larvae. The unlucky ones that are chosen as hosts by the crypt keepers, uh, it's over for them. Once the crypt keeper wasp larvae hatch, they burrow inside these helpless little gall wasps larvae still trapped within the gall. These hosts have no means of escape. The parasitic infection that takes over marks the beginning of really like alien, taking over their bodies and even uh, controlling their minds. That's bizarre. Once infected gall wasp larvae reach maturity, they begin the process of chewing their way out of the oak gall. Okay. Like their unaffected brethren. But then something weird happens. The infected gall wasps display this altered behavior. Instead of altogether eating their way out of the tree, they create a hole just big enough for their heads to stick out. Scientists call these formation head plugs. Now the unfinished hole is too small to allow exit. His head sticks out. It becomes caught, plugged like a cork. The head is visible from the outside, but it is unresponsive. A few days later... The Crypt Keeper wasp, wasp will crawl into the head and chew his way out. Oh, wow. So he's made like a passageway through that little gall wasp. Uh, wow, that's, a, that's an upsetting thought. <laughs> yeah. Scale that up a little bit. I mean, the only, the only way I can deal with the idea of this is... In my mind, thinking, okay, well, they're just little. If you scale it up, if they're just little. It's oh, it's okay, you know. I, I can ignore it if it's little, right? But if you scaled it up to like the size of a pig, that would be pretty horrifying. 
little pig head sticking out of a tree. Oh, see, I went straight to people. So, like, okay. So, like, Pete goes into Bill's house. Mm -hmm. And Pete's like, I want your shit, Bill. Uh, And so Pete maybe makes Bill cut a hole in the refrigerator. (laughs) uh, But just big enough for his head. Meanwhile, Pete gets inside Bill's stomach uh, by way of gnawing Mm -hmm. uh, and then makes kind of like a Pete suit out of his body as he eats his inside, like an Egger suit. Egger suit. Yeah. And and then just kind of squeezes his way through uh, into the fridge to get all the... uh, Steal his beer. Oh, see, I was going for like ding-dongs or something. Okay, well, that's fine. Kept cool in the Mm -hmm. Frigidaire. The Crypt Keeper Wasp's manipulation of the host and eating his way out through the through the other uh, through the head was first described in 2017. Scientists have studied it further, and things have gotten even weirder. Oh! In a New York Times article, quote: "Parasites or parastoids are very specialized to a host." This is according to uh, Anna Ward, a doctoral student at Dr. Forbes' laboratory and lead author of the paper that reported uh, this finding. You'd think it was only attacking one host or one small subset. We were surprised to see that this particular uh, species was able to manipulate very different hosts. Oh, A lot of these parasitic wasps will specialize in just infesting a particular host or, or a, a, a particular it. species. Pete's can only infest bills. Right. But that's not uh, not always the case. The crypt keeper seeks victims based not on their on their kind, but on the vulnerability of their homes. Oh, wow. And that suggests that uh, an organism's behavior can sometimes cause people to, to miss important truths about how the animals really live. Uh, quote, these interactions can help us understand our impact on the world. So Pete's can go after Gloria's or Josh's or Phyllis's. Or Mortimer's. It, it just depends on the strength of their front door. Yes. Okay. In many ways. Well, let's get to the mind control part because this is the part that blew my mind, uh-huh. so to speak. Scientists are still trying to figure out the mechanism behind how the Crypt Keeper wasps use mind control to paralyze their victims. Just last year, researchers announced uh, their findings after collecting and observing 23,000 galls from oak trees, more than 100 species of gall wasps developing inside. The team brought these galls back to their laboratory for further study. They hope to catch glimpses of the Crypt Keeper larvae in action as they burst through their host's head. The head plugs. All told, 305 parasitic wasps burst from the heads on seven different gall wasp species. They chose their victims carefully, preferring hosts with fur or spikes on their body. So they don't just, they're very discriminatory on who they decide they're going to infest. So is the the fur and the spikes is because that provides them more protection? Yeah. They, oh, wow. They know that That's more. Scientists were shocked by the wasp's ability to control the host's mind, actually getting it to eat a path for the Crypt Keeper's escape. They were also shocked by the parasitic larvae's ability to control individuals across very many uh, species, different species. Mm-hmm. They, they were closely related, but but uh, but different. Still. Even though these researchers have discovered more than 350,000 species of beetles, for example, very few parasitic wasps have been studied. Scientists think there are more species of parasitic wasps than beetles. What? Yeah, and oh, like I but said, because some of them are so small. Yeah, 
Yep. They can't track them. Wow. They're a tiny species that proved challenging to find in the wild. And until recently, few researchers looked for them. It's like I said, they only discovered the Crypt Keeper wasp That's in 2017. That's a very unsettling thought. It is. <laughs> Ooh, I don't like that. To Andrew Forbes' knowledge, no insects have been able to escape the parasites. They've even found parasites in uh, insects that live underwater. Oh, wow. The wasps somehow get underwater and get all up in them. <laughs> underwater. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's terrifying. It certainly is. Yeah, that's, um, that's rough. Besides the name of the Crypt Keeper wasp, uh, the mind control thing is what really captivated my imagination all right so bursting out of the head that was kind of cool too but the idea that they can for example make beetles just walk around go where they want to go yeah like some sort of weird android device i'll be interested to find out how much their research can disclose about uh, uh how that works exactly right and if uh they do in fact use humans as hosts and we just don't know it <sighs> Ooh. Maybe that's why I've had a craving to put on a puffy coat and eat ice cream. <laughs> you think it's microscopic, amoeba-sized, parasitic wasps? Yeah, they love that chunky monkey. And now, that thing in the middle. We have a new member on the Freaks group, uh, Jasmine, who wrote, I just joined, so sorry if this has been done. As a young child, I believe childbirth was mandatory for every female once they reached a certain age. A lot of people still think that, Jasmine. <laughs> <laughs> and that we were all born with a, quote, baby seed inside us. Ugh. Better that than a parasitic wasp. This feels similar to me. But it's just waiting to become a baby like a ticking time bomb, she says. <laughs> After many nightmares about it, I eventually sobbed to my mother, I don't want to have a baby. She told me I don't have to, and I was elated. But I continue to think that all boobs were basically bags full of milk. <laughs> What's the weirdest thing you believed as a child? Number five, Sarah writes, I believe you died on your birthday. That made for a few nervous celebrations. I guess so. Number four, Brian writes... My younger sister believed that salt cooled off your food and pepper heated it back up again. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that totally makes sense in a kid's mind. <laughs> Number three, Alexandria writes that if you put your feet on the table, you'd go to jail. Oh, wow. Number two, Natalie writes, my mom had two kids and two boobs. So I thought a woman had as many boobs as she had children. It's just good sense. Leon writes, my mom told me she was going to play Sandy in Greece, but couldn't because she got pregnant. I totally believed her for years. Just to note, she doesn't sing or act. <laughs> Yet her creative mom, Leon, the more specific the lie, the more believable it is. That's right. I have to <laughs> I have to share this one too. Okay. Uh, GT writes, I always thought if a man and a woman peed in the same toilet without flushing it, it would create a baby. <laughs> I don't even know where that idea came from. It's a strange witch's would brew. Would it grow in the toilet? Oh my god. <laughs> if you want to join the Freaks group, we would encourage you to do so. It's on Facebook and stuff. Yeah. The Box of Oddities with Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, 
If you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parenting kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope. Never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's triviality. Life may be like a box of chocolates, but this is the box of oddities. Christopher writes, My wife Shannon and I have been listening for over a year. I was listening to an episode tonight when I had an epiphany of a topic. You see... I work in IT, and we occasionally deal with folks 
for whom electronics simply don't function properly. It's weird. Talks are passed around the office about such folks and similar phenomena. And all I could think was, hey, I bet my fellow freaks would like to hear Cat and Jethro talk about this. We're big fans. Love you guys. And if you read this, would you give a shout out to my wife, Shannon? Hey, Shannon. I find that interesting because you're one of those people. I'm one of what people? Cat, this is weird. And this is a phenomena. This is actually, you can you can look this up. When Cat walks under streetlights, not always, but often, they'll dim. Yeah. Or go out. Or go out completely. And then when she gets by it, they come back on again. And it's not like some kind of a motion sensor thing. We're talking about city streetlights. Yeah. I don't know. So I think there might be something to that. It's your magnetic personality. Is that what it yeah, is? I think that's what it is. You sparkle. So what do you have for me at this um, at this point in time? This was something that I thought was really interesting. It's a weird trend I noticed a while ago. Uh, people licking video game cartridges. Licking? Now. Licking video game cartridges. <laughs> so, kids... You know how they are. They're putting their tongues on everything. All the time. Kids are eating things they shouldn't be eating. They're putting things in their mouths. They're licking stuff. It's not great. And um, throughout the ages, when we make products, we have to find a way that children won't kill themselves with them. Sure. Pen caps. We've talked about this. Pen caps have a a hole in the top. Uh, And that's so that if a kid downs one, uh, they can still breathe through that tiny pen cap hole. Is that what that's for? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, because... Like a Bic cap that has a little hole. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So the idea is, uh, if there were no hole, that would be a perfect size to impede the airflow. I always thought that was for snorting coke. Oh, yeah. Nope. I was told that. I, I don't know personally. I right, no. never do no, that. Uh, the, Seriously, I would never do that. One of the ends of the pen cap would be far too big for a kid's nose. All right. Uh, <laughs> so the Nintendo Switch, uh, unlike the PS4 and Xbox One, they use small game cartridges instead of discs. And it's the first console to do that since the uh, N64. And that was like 20 years ago. Oh, my God. So. Games are... I used are... to play Monkey Ball on that all the time. Monkey Ball? Yeah. That was an N64 game. Oh. It was awesome. See, I didn't have an N64 because I wasn't one of those rich kids. <laughs> Quit being a braggart. All right. So uh, the games are roughly the size of a postage stamp. And, you know, that's about the size of things that kids put in their mouths. So uh, Nintendo wanted to keep kids from choking on them. A Nintendo spokesman said, to avoid the possibility of accidental ingestion, keep the game card away from young children, of course, but also a bittering agent, denatonium benzoate. It has been applied to the game card. It is a bittering agent, which is non-toxic, but they are intentionally coated with this chemical that leaves a horrifying taste in your mouth. That's fascinating. It is uh, considered to be one of the most disgusting things that uh, you can possibly taste. And it lingers. It uh, reacts with all of the bitterness sensors on your tongue. (laughs) And uh, it'll hang out. And you can't get rid of it. This is like the game cartridge challenge now. Kids are licking them on purpose. Well... There are some people who could tell you it is terrible. Uh Yes, and there are some videos of 
it. No kidding. And it's terrible. So I thought it would be fun to go over like the mundane, the things that we see every day, and maybe the real reasons behind some of the things that you may overlook. I love this. And everyday products. I love this. Like terrible tasting game cartridges. If you've ever sat in the airplane window seat, you may have noticed that little tiny hole at the bottom of the window. I always thought it was a weird choice. Holes in airplanes, not great. Uh, But the holes are almost always on the outer layer of the window, and they do serve very important purposes. Is it a pressurization thing? That's a great question. And the answer is yes, but also other stuff. So the holes minimize the pressure on the outermost window pane by distributing it among the inner layers. Mm. So as the difference in pressure inside and outside the plane is quite massive without the holes, uh, the windows might crack and then, you know, break and everyone would be sucked out and murdered by the sky. (laughs) But also they keep the windows from fogging up like cars do in the winter. Okay. Okay, sure. Yeah. Because the temperature outside is almost always lower than the inside cabin temperature. That's pretty great. Yeah. So denim jeans, as long as you're sticking with actual denim jeans, they've remained largely unchanged for a long, long time. Of course, you can get those fancy stretchy jeans now these days, uh, which I do enjoy. Thank you. Enjoy your day, sir. I just read this. I'm reading a book about Victorian lifestyle. Yeah. And um, jeans, of course, were invented during that particular time right. period jeans is in reference to the type of weave of the fabric denim jeans is a whole different thing we now call denim jeans just jeans mm-hmm. or blue jeans or, or whatever but jeans is a if type you're neil diamond yes, yes. <laughs> but it refers to the type of weave of the fabric not denim necessarily Interesting. That's very fascinating. So there are other items that would be a jean weave? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like what? Show me. I don't know. I wasn't born in the 1850s. Uh, Close, but not not quite. Anyway, if you look at your favorite pair of denim jeans, you might notice that they've got a few tiny buttons around the pockets, which don't really seem to serve a purpose. And um, they, they do look snazzy, but those are rivets. And those were originally meant to keep all the parts of your jeans together because you notice that's where the pocket connects and that little tiny baby pocket and right all right so jeans were not meant as like a fashion thing they were for work pants they were heavy duty they were made to uh handle professionals carrying heavy tools in their pockets like loggers and miners. So those rivets were so that they could put those heavy tools mm. in their pockets wow, that's cool. and they wouldn't rip, rip right out. Right. And Levi Strauss, of course, Levi's, he made his fortune making pants for, uh, as you mentioned, miners during the, um, the, the gold rush. The gold rush. Yeah. 1849. In fact, when we were in San Francisco, we did a show out there last fall. There's a Levi's Jeans Museum that has some of the original pants. We did not go to that museum, and I'm sad about it. I'm very sad about it. We need to go back to San Francisco uh, because there are so many incredible incredible museums and salads that I did not eat. And I left my heart there. Also, my phone charger. <laughs> um, speaking of that little tiny baby pocket... In case you didn't know, that was for your pocket watch. 
I guessed that. I, I assumed that, but I did not know that for a fact. That's now, interesting. Because the pockets of jeans were made for those heavy tools, you didn't want your pocket watch kicking around with those things, especially because they were pretty delicate and pricey and, you know, they were they were something that generally you held on to and kept safe. So that's why you had that little tiny pocket so it wasn't rattling around with all those heavy tools in your big pockets. That's great. Yeah. Now, when you buy a piece of clothing and it comes with a little swatch of fabric, what's that for? It, mending holes? See, that's a great thought, but that's not the intended purpose of that little swatch of fabric. That is meant to offer a place to try out products on your clothes. Really? So that if there's maybe like uh, you have a new cleaning product you're going to try on this sweater, or, you try it on that little swatchy swatch. You want to see how easily blood splatter is removed? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Then you try it out on that swatchy swatch. <laughs> Dimes, quarters, they have those rough hewn edges. I know this one. You do? Yeah, because back in the day, people would shave the edges off the silver coins and, uh, you know, re-mint them. As, yes, yeah, right. that's exactly right. Yep. Yeah, so they put the ridges on the edges of the coins so that you'd be able to tell if someone had been stealing, basically, uh, the edges off of the coins. Now, you are a bit of a coin collector nerd. No, no, I'm not. So correct me if I'm wrong. Silver coins, they stopped producing pure silver coins in the U.S. in 1964. Um, I don't know anything about coins. I think quarters, yes. And I'm not, I'm not sure about Roosevelt dimes. But if you find Roosevelt dimes in the 50s, early 60s, same with the quarters, they're pure silver. Or they're high-grade silver, which is why I have a metal detector. <laughs> and we found so many bottle caps. They have ridges around the edges, too. But That's true. Different reasons. Different reasons. That's for ripping open your foot skin. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about the future. This is a everyday item that isn't really an everyday item yet, but probably will be. It is being quickly adopted into cars by car manufacturers around the world, uh, Volvo, Mercedes, among others. Uh, they have installed a feature uh, on the dash that you might see. Up pops a coffee cup. What? So in and amongst your engine light or your gas light, uh, you might also see boop, boop, coffee cup. So there'd be a little sound, a little flashing cup. Okay. So a coffee cup doesn't actually pop out of your dashboard. No. It's, it's a, a little emblem. It's a light. Okay. All right. Like, well, yeah. Well, now I'm disappointed I because how cool would that be? <laughs> <laughs> I want the Starbucks option. Yes, please. In my Lincoln Navigator. Thank you. Dark roast. Thank you. Boop, boop. <laughs> So cars from some manufacturers are now coming with these features. It is a drowsiness detection system. Hmm. So they monitor things like your speed, your lane deviation, and your wheel angle to determine if you're showing the signs of a person falling asleep. See, now this is a great sponsorship opportunity. Starbucks ought to buy that. Absolutely. And, and their logo would pop up on everybody's dashboard when you get sleepy. That's so smart. Or just when you drive like crap, like I do. <laughs> well, there were some times on the way down to Connecticut that yeah. I was like, should I be driving? I almost killed us twice. <laughs> 
it was it was ugly there. But I blame the Connecticut drivers. Um, now I'm aware of one of the times that you almost killed us. When was the other time? You were asleep. I. You, you know, know I, I don't sleep in the car. That's just ridiculous. <clears throat> well, you weren't paying attention. <laughs> And that's all that matters. It never happened. <laughs> that's all that matters. It never happened, baby. Um, so uh, when your car senses these certain things are happening, uh, that little boop boop will come up and uh, it'll alert you. It'll say, hey, we think maybe you might need to stop and take a break. And, uh, you know, they say that driving sleepy is just as dangerous sure. as driving impaired in some other way. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is incredible, and I love it. And I like your idea very much of an actual coffee popping up. That would be handy. Um, <laughs> yeah. I need that. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. And now if they can come up with something that detects when a person is reading their texts on their cell phone while they're driving, <laughs> because stop that shit. I know. We saw so, so much of that when we were driving. Well, that was the other time that we almost got killed, but that wasn't that my fault. That wasn't your fault. I was, I was passing this dude yep. and he just started drifting right into the side of our vehicle. And, you know, we were going 75. Yeah. I mean, he didn't drift into the side of our vehicle. He was coming into our lane. Yeah. It was drifting in toward it. And uh, I. You did some horn laying. I did some horn laying. Which is a very unusual and, thing and for you. I, perf <laughs> I also performed an intricate evasion maneuver. Anyway, that's what I have for you. That's amazing. That's really <laughs> interesting. So I love stuff like that. Why is it that uh, products are the way they are? Yeah. Did you know that toothpaste wasn't even a thing until about, you know, 60, 70 years ago? People in the Victorian period, again, from this book I'm reading, they used to brush their teeth with a number of different things. But two of the most popular items was soot from the fireplace mm. and crushed up cuttlefish shell. Oh, no. Yeah. I love cuttlefish. Well, they'd find them on the beach. Oh, okay. They're already All dead. Right. You, know. Um, you know, to be fair, I have a activated charcoal toothpaste. They that, say it's really good. You know. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's a really good um, thing to put in your mouth. Cuttlefish bones, on the other hand, that can't freshen your breath. No. No, I... I can only picture that every once in a while one would get jammed in between your teeth <laughs> and do the exact opposite of what you're trying to do. Uh, and that would be frustrating. Because did they have floss? I don't know. See, that would be a good topic in and of itself. The history of dental floss. No, maybe not. Anyway, thanks for hanging out with us, you freaks. We are so glad that you do. We appreciate the fact that you spend some time with us. We miss you when you're not around. We pine for your scent. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time until then keep flying that freak flag <laughs> fly it proudly you beautiful freak and so let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you and its fate is in your hands therefore it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance we ask but one thing of you to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. 
TheBoxOfOddities.com. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.